right, so Joseph Smith had an experience in the woods in New York. He actually had an experience with an extraterrestrial. He probed me and then different ones of them come in and all of them probed me. And I believe that it was the Asani people. There are those who believe that life here began out there. But only an account of this earth and the inhabitants thereof give I unto you. Earth is a grand experiment. Far across the universe with a council of gods whose work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. For as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. You wanted to learn how to integrate duality. You wanted to learn how to take light and dark and remove all judgment. Some believe that infants who die here become eternal gods out there. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 733 Return to Kolob, Joseph Smith versus Wendy Kennedy. Eternal progression through a peepstone-produced playground of ninth-dimensional Pleiadian perspectives, part one. Which is the playful part of the series where I sit down with Shalice and Mike from the Mormons on Mushrooms podcast to discuss some of our favorite ideas from the mind of Wendy Kennedy who I think is absolutely brilliant, by the way, and wise and entertaining. And, you know, whether she's making this all up from her own imagination or she really is channeling interdimensional intelligence somehow, some way, whatever that might be, I just can't get enough of what she has to say. I just, I I absolutely love Wendy Kennedy and what she's doing. But slow down, Glenn. You're getting a little ahead of yourself. All right, so... Last week, I released my interview with Ruben Langdon, who has a series on the Gaia channel called Interviews with Extra Dimensionals. His first two episodes of that series have him interviewing Wendy Kennedy, which was my introduction to her, and she's been channeling for the past 25 years. You know, look, here's what she says about what she's been doing. It was around 1994, Mm -hmm. and I started having some visions, and I didn't really know what they were. 
And so I started doing some research for for that to see if it was past life related because that was what my instinct was. Mm -hmm. And I came across channeling and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know anybody who did it, but I just knew it was something that I was supposed to be doing. So I found some books and I started doing some of the meditation exercises and the visualization exercises. And I was trying to channel verbally, but it, it wasn't really happening for me. Mm -hmm. I was having really visceral experiences, like my, my eyes would flutter in water and my hands would tingle, but I couldn't form the words, I couldn't get the words out. Mm. And so I'd put it aside and then I'd come back to it. And in the interim, I did a lot of work on myself. I studied meditation and um, you know, did a lot of inner work, and then I come back to it periodically, and I had kind of the same experience. And then one day, I knew I was supposed to sit down with a pen and paper. Okay. And I started doing automatic writing. Excellent. And you know that I did well for for the first two years. I wrote down every single question and every answer. And about nine months or so into it, it was becoming very cumbersome to write, and so I put down the pen and then just started to channel verbally because I was hearing it well before I was able to write it. And I still use automatic writing today because it's much easier for me to remember the information. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a bit like a lucid dream for me, so at least I have the written notes and mm -hmm. I can go back to it. But about nine months in, um, that's when the Pleiadians showed up. Oh, and they were waiting for me to channel verbally because they work with tone and sound. Okay. And a lot of people will ask me where I'm from uh, mm -hmm. when they hear the Pleiadians, uh, especially at the beginning, they sounded a bit more British, and then they went to this, they started working with new tones, and then it sounded a bit more Australian, and it, it's not <laughs> any one dialect, right. it's just tones and sounds that resonate with you at a cellular level, hmm. you know, and they, and, and it was really interesting for me, because when they started channeling and, and working with the new tones, it was using all different kinds of muscles, oh, wow. and I was like, okay. <laughs> Can we, can we tone it back just a bit? Right. Tone it, no pun intended. Now, if you have access to the Gaia channel, and if you find this kind of stuff interesting like I do, I highly recommend that you go and watch those Wendy interviews before listening to these next several episodes with Mike and Shalise and I, because we all watch them, and, and that's what we're talking about. That's what we're responding to. And, and yes, I will be including some audio clips here and there, but this is some pretty mind-stretching stuff. And I really hope that you don't get lost in the weeds of our conversation. But I, I just love exploring this idea of source energy. This idea that the most fundamental building blocks of everything that exists is a massive sea of energy. So there is spread everywhere throughout this room something that we call the electron field. Okay, it's like a fluid that fills this room and in fact fills the entire universe. And the ripples of this electron fluid, the ripples of uh, the waves of this fluid, get tied into little bundles of energy by the rules of quantum mechanics. And those bundles of energy are what we call the particle, the electron. Okay? All the electrons that are in your body are not fundamental. All the electrons that exist in your body are waves of the same underlying field. Okay? We're all connected to each other. It's like, you know, the waves uh, on the ocean all belong to the, the same underlying ocean. Uh, the electrons in your body are the s ripples of the same field as the electrons in my body. Yeah, that's David Tong. He's a theoretical physicist from Cambridge. Pretty smart guy. But I just love flexing the muscles of my own flawed imagination to think what-if kind of thoughts. To think, 
What if this energy is intelligent and eternal that has been evolving forever and is itself the fabric of space and time? What if it really is intelligent? What if it's kind of alive? I mean, what if I made that assumption instead of the assumption that I've been making for most of my adult life that it's not any of those things? What if I just flip the script for a minute and put on those glasses and look through a world that way? What would I see differently? What would I think? And if this source energy really was what Wendy's claiming it to be, what others have claimed it to be, what would it say if it could talk to me? Personally, I think it would say, hello. hello. We are here. We are here. We are here. We have always we have been always here. We have been always here. been here. We always will be here. And we are aware of we you. We are aware of you. Because we are you. And you are teaching us things about ourselves that we would not otherwise experience if it was not for you. You are much more important than you realize. We are all in this together because we are all of this together. Each playing our unique, significantly insignificant parts. You are much more important than you realize. We want you to understand the interconnectedness of all things. We want you to see how you fit into everything that exists. Everything. But mostly, we want you to understand the power of your own imagination. We want you to understand the role that confirmation bias plays in shaping your perceived reality. Perceived reality. Is there another kind? We want you to understand who you are. The conscious sliver of your mind that is mostly unaware of the unconscious intelligence that is your true inner self. That unconscious part of your biologically evolved central nervous system that sometimes you trust, but mostly you do not. We want you to understand the influence you have over the conscious thoughts you think and the feelings that you feel, and the power that you have as both a conscious and unconscious creator of your thoughts and feelings. How much of yourself are you aware of? How much of yourself are you at war with? We want to help you become more aware of the unconscious programs of your mind. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. We want to encourage you to drop judgment of yourself and others and embrace reality for what it truly is. We want you to understand and embrace reality for what it truly is. Which includes, of course, the severe limitations you have for perceiving it. Your experience of reality is your experience perceiving your own mind. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. But most of all, we want you to create peace and joy and to know that all is well. All is well. All is well. You are exactly in the right place, experiencing exactly what you're wanting to experience for exactly the reasons that you want to experience them. Even if the conscious sliver of your mind is completely unaware that you are creating your perceived experience of reality. Is there another kind? With every neuron that fires in your brain. Every single teeny tiny living neuron in your brain. That's what I think it would say. What about you? What do you think it would say? Now, if you do not have access to Gaia, and you want to hear Ruben's full interview with Wendy, 
shoot me an email or fill out the current survey and I'll see what I can do. There may be some ways to share it through a study group type setting, so let me know if you're interested. And yes, I do plan on creating a study group for any of you who like playing in this playground and can promise to play nicely and respectfully with others. So go fill out the survey and add your voice to the mix. And now I give you part one of a conversation that I recorded with Mike and Shalice nearly three months ago, but I think it's ready to see the light of day. So, hang on and your hats and glasses, cause this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. I'm just going to start recording and we're just going to start talking. Okay, so so like I'm here that. with Shalice and Mike from the Mushrooms on Mormons. <laughs> I'm going to switch it. Mormons on Mushrooms. Mormons, podcast. Mushrooms, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when we talked a couple of months ago, we started talking about Gaia and Shalice, you mentioned the ninth dimensional Palladians. And I went, what? I, what? I've never heard that before. <laughs> and um, then about two weeks ago today, actually, two weeks ago today, Cami and I were up in Sedona and we thought, what would be kind of like a fun Sedona kind of weirdo thing to do? Like, okay, let's look at Gaia. And we were going to watch Bashar because uh-huh. Bashar has got like this plasma ship that is above Sedona or something, uh-huh. supposedly. But but when I logged on to Gaia, I saw these, you know, interviews with an ET, the ninth dimensional Pleiadians. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I have to watch this. So we watched That's so it. so cool. Did you realize it was the exact same one I was talking about? No, not until I reached out to you a few days ago. No. Oh, cool. But, wow. But we, we, we watched it that first night. And then we're like, we need to watch it again. We watched it twice. In that first night and then the next morning I woke up I watched it a third time and then we oh, watched wow. it a fourth time that second night and I just oh my gosh and then I reached out to Ruben Langdon who produced the season one and season two and he got back to me within like an hour oh wow. like yeah I'd love to come on the podcast and talk with you I'll be you know I'll, I'll be I'm, I'm filming season three right now here's a preview of one of our episodes so he sent me like one of he's like keep this to yourself but man what a cool guy what a really That's cool guy. So cool. Yeah. And so then I I uh, like looked up Wendy's stuff. I, I watched a couple of the other episodes on there and I, I I liked them. I haven't seen too many of them, but I just really like Wendy so much. I watched a couple other interviews of hers on YouTube with a guy named Lee something or other. Lee something. I don't know. Are, are they all similar where he's interviewing them as they're channeling? Yeah. The 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 ones on the Gaia channel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's one that he did with a woman named Nora that I've watched that one twice. That one was pretty good. Um, there, there's another one that I started watching and just didn't get very far with it. But like I, I've just been devouring stuff from Wendy for the last two weeks and <laughs> did she had like a lot. She once a month. She does like a live thing that is 22 bucks. And I'm like, I'll do I'll pay 22 bucks to sit down for two hours and listen to her channel the ninth dimension pleiadians yeah. and then i posed a, i asked a question and they answered it we have a question here from glenn he says i would like to better understand the aspect of myself that is this divine source energy it feels so separate even though i intellectually understand that we are all are one what is the relationship between source the oversoul the inner self the egoic self and the other multi-dimensional intelligences like the peas so it's all one. That's, that's the relationship. It's all divine energy. And then the divine will partition off awareness of itself. 
So you start at the top with the divine, and then that splits into more oversouls. All right. So large, a larger energy, a larger awareness of self. And then that fractures, all right, into soul groups. And then that fractures again into what you would perceive as a higher self. The higher self is what incarnates. And then you cover that up with limiting beliefs. And that's what you say is your personality. That is you. That is the aspect that's having this life. But really, those are just programs. You are your higher self. It's not separate from you. And that, that part of you that you think is real, that is just programming. And then I posed, a, I asked a question. And they answered it. And That's so cool. I, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I really like her. I like what she's doing. It is so weird. Like it's got me not quite sure how much of it to take seriously. Well, not to take serious, because I take it all seriously, but like how much I really believe that it's channeling the ninth dimensional Pleiadians, but I love it. I just love it. So I wanted to get you guys together to like, talk about it and especially what are the parallels with Mormonism and like the early Mormon church and Joseph Smith, because I, like, I think of Joseph Smith as somebody who was channeling or at least telling these stories and, and stretch, you know, like taking the, the Protestant worldview that was the predominant view of the world where he was growing up at that time and stretching it, you know, like, it's not, he didn't stretch it quite as far as you know, a lot of the new age stuff that we have today, but that's kind of what Wendy's doing too, is taking like our, our scientific atheist point of view. It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this, this planet. Um, now, th that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the, um, at the detail, details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, and that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. Well, but that I'm... higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. But that's kind of what Wendy's doing, too, is taking, like, our... our scientific atheist point of view and stretching that to say okay well if there's life on this planet there's probably life other places in the galaxy and yeah. what could that mean if we really started playing in that sandbox and um, anyway so that's that's my spiel that's what i wanted to do so let me turn it over to you guys why are you here tonight shalice let's start with you <laughs> well i was just excited that you dove into the pleiadians yeah. Um, this is something that I started looking into maybe two years ago around the time that I went to Peru to do ayahuasca mm. and, um, I was watching Gaia like every single day mm. and, um, yeah, I've always really resonated with the Pleiadians and they've shown up for me a few times in meditations and I've had other people kind of say it without me bringing it up, 
like saying, oh yeah, I'm feeling like there's like Pleiadian around you. I'm like, how did you know that? Really? So, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so that I had two different people tell me that within a week period. And this is when the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, this chick is crazy. And then a week later, someone else is like, I'm getting Pleiadian around you. Just out of nowhere, he said that. And I was like, what? what? And so I started- I had a similar doing... experience, Shalise. I'm just really? telling you, but we'll get to mine, but that's okay, so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I just started to pay attention to it more. And then when I would go into meditations, I always felt like they were there and I've had experiences that are like maybe a little too crazy to talk about. I mean, we can, but, um, crazy experiences. And so when I heard you were getting into it, I was like, yes, let's talk about this. This is exciting. Mm, nice. So, so Lisa, did you learn about it through Gaia then? Is that no, it was no. the first time I had heard about alien races was from my energy worker here in LA who she like does energy stuff, but also channels the Akashic. And she said, oh, I'm feeling like you have a lot of lifetimes in the Pleiades. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know how to spell it. I'm like, other alien races? Like, this is too much. Okay. Yeah, I want to make sure this person now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and definitely then- want to meet this person. And then it was like a week later, I was getting a massage from this guy who I still see all the time. He does Reiki and he's also very involved in this stuff. And he was like, I'm getting a message and tell me if this means anything to you. I'm getting like starseed and Pleiadian. And I was like, my mind was blown. And I was like, that's it. I need to look into this. (laughs) Okay. So, so let's just pause for a moment, Mike, we'll go to you in a second, but because we've been talking about Pleiadians. And I don't know what star seeds are, but there's probably at least one or two listeners here that aren't caught up on what a Pleiadian is. Could, could you just give a, a quick, dirty definition of what you're talking about here, Shalise? Yeah. Well, from what I understand, um, Pleiadian is like a giant term that encompasses a bunch of species within the, the stars system Pleiades, which we know, like everyone knows there is a star system called the Pleiades. Um, you could look it up, it's everywhere. But what these channelers and, and energy workers are talking about are actually connecting with the beings on those planets and in those star systems. And so I guess you could call us like humans and earthlings <laughs> because we're in this universe and they're the Pleiadians and they can, they can live in different dimensions, but usually the higher dimensions where they don't have bodies, but they're more like light beings there are about 2500 beings in the group and there is an aspect of me that that is a part of that and they're in the ninth dimension and they don't have physical form they're beings of light Mm -hmm. and they align with alcyon which is the central sun in the pleiades star system and you know because they don't have physical bodies they don't incarnate but Mm -hmm. they align with a purpose or a function and you know they're here to help us with records and information and to kind of oversee what we're doing to help us along the way so that, that we can start taking ownership and guardianship of the planet. And there's a, another role that we're about to step into at the galactic level. And then when I refer to starseed, um, that was a new term for me too. But basically what I've learned is that these beings from other dimensions and other planets kind of take on this mission to go to earth for the sole purpose of raising the vibrational frequency and awareness of the planet. So we don't implode and like destroy everything. Mm. We kind of volunteer to go down during the difficult times 
to kind of spread the message of love and, and happiness and being in your heart space and helping to bring earth into the fifth dimensional plane instead of the third dimensional plane. Mm. So there was, there was like one little teeny tiny nugget in what you said that sounded kind of Mormon-esque to me. Ooh. Like coming down, you know, like the Saturday's warrior kind Who of thing. Are like these coming, 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 yeah. down, <laughs> coming down, coming down. Coming down like gentle rain through darkened sky. Coming down, coming down. Like you, you've chosen to come at this point in history of the planet to do this. You know, like there's these little elements that as I as I go in. And I've been, like I said, I've been devouring Wendy Kennedy and the story about the Pleiadians and all of this galactic stuff that's going on and how it's at a soul level, even behind, you know, physically incarnating bodies. And there, I just, I see so many interesting parallels, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So th it. thanks for giving that. So Mike, your turn. Your, yeah. Your well, let me turn. talk about, I'm trying to think how to do this kind of concisely, but it doesn't have to be concise. Yeah. Just go, well, man. I'll just go with it. And Glenn, I, I love what you were saying there with uh, Saturday's Warrior, because that's what was going through my head all day as yeah. I was like thinking about starseeds and Pleiadian starseeds. So cool. And a part of me was just wondering if this is just me trying to recreate the specialness I felt in Mormonism of being like a children of the promise and yeah. being, you know, yeah. or, or are a lot of Mormons Pleiadians and we remember that we're here for a mission and we don't know what that is yet. I don't know. Or, or maybe draconians. Ooh, draconians. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I first learned about Pleiadians through Shalice, but I, I guess it started with my ayahuasca journey. So I, I, on, ayahuasca, uh, on ayahuasca, at one point I got this image and I had like these long fingers and I was like this being of light and... Uh, my wife was one of those too, and I didn't know what to make of it. And as this being of light, like I was here to help people wake up and, you know, be an empath in a way and help people feel through their emotions and work with their emotions. And also kind of a devious being here to kind of play and shake shit up. And, you know, I wrote that down after my ayahuasca journey and I didn't know what to do with it. And then a few months later, we started the podcast and Shalice was our first guest. And she mentioned in her journey, seeing the Pleiadians. I'm like, what? You got you to describe this. And so she talked about it. And then so I went on a deep dive of Pleiadians and starseeds and started reading about starseeds. And then, oh, to, to back up real quick, my wife for the longest time when, uh, you know, we've been married for, we've been together for almost 20 years. And she has looked up at the stars at night and found the small little cluster of stars and she loves to find it. And she's like, anytime I find it, I like say, Hey friends. And like, it feels like home to her. And so we would kind of, we'd always joke about that. Um, so when I was doing this deep dive about Pleiadians and star seeds, I was reading about Pleiadians, the, especially the Pleiadian star seeds and how. Is that the system that she, she looks at? Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, so was, at first I was just reading about the star seeds and how they're empathic beings. They like to try to fix people and take on the world's problems and are just very empathic beings. And then I was reading, and they're from the Pleiades star cluster, which is in the constellation Taurus. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's the star cluster. <laughs> 
So now it's just become a thing and we kind of joke, but somewhat seriously too, that like, we're just a couple of Pleiadians are here, who are here to play, have fun and wake people up. <laughs> nice. I love it. Cool. So let, let, let's start with something that's really familiar, like the, the Mormon cosmology story, which is a little bit, I mean, it, it draws from uh, the, the Bible and, you know, Protestant Christianity, but it has some unique novel features to it as well. So there, there was, where would you put the, the start with the Mormons? Would you start with the pre-existence and the plan of salvation? That that's kind of the really unique signature. Yeah, I, think would, yeah. I mean, that's where we would start on the little chart we would draw, right? Of yeah. The plan of salvation. Yeah. So, so how would you describe that, that contribution? Like what was it that Joseph Smith con contributed to uh, an understanding <laughs> of who we are and why we are here? Mikey, though. <laughs> well, I would just say, I mean, because if you think about most Christians, I think it's more nebulous when they think of where we were before earth or, or if we were before earth, I don't even know. Yeah. If it, like, is that something that Christians even contemplate? I don't know. But I, so I guess it added a one layer to it, just one. And I feel like that's what a lot of Mormonism is. It's like, we'll add one layer and then, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just that we, well, one that we were all together with God and Jesus Christ, right. Mm -hmm. In this pre-existence and you've seen like it rendered in art and drawings and pictures but yeah, yeah, i guess it's everybody's people... humanoid yeah everyone's humanoid <laughs> yeah. right and then you have the the ones with I, I remember having a did you guys have like those like scriptures uh illustrated scriptures yeah. and they had some of the pre-existence in there and you had god or jesus and satan and um i don't remember that i don't remember i remember the the book of mormon ones especially and they had hmm. like the very white uh nephites and the mm, lamanites yeah. that were very um not white not white <laughs> yeah but i don't i don't remember the pictures of the pre-existence of like jehovah and satan i'll have to see if i can find them but um i don't know i guess that's it kind of just but it something well even before then because there is something in mormon uh theology right that it, it, we were intelligences even before that yeah yeah, and, I mean that, and that—that's yeah. where *Infants on Thrones* gets its name, is in the the King Follett discourse, where Joseph Smith really talks about the intelligences that were before the foundation of the world, and that one recognized its its preeminence and wanted to raise all of the other intelligences, and that was Elohim, and you know, so intelligence then leads to spirit, and spirit leads to physical bodies, and there was a council in heaven, right, where everybody kind of got to vote on what they're going to do, and come come to Earth. Uh, go through a veil of forgetfulness so you don't remember your identity in the pre-existence and you're here for two main reasons one is to get a physical body and then the second is to kind of be tested is that right yeah, yeah. I remember that it's been a while yeah but and they also lay it on thick as far as the righteousness of we're here because we chose correctly yeah we, we kept our first God. estate yeah yeah and so there's already that layer of like superiority yeah because Lucifer presented a plan and he said, look, if we, if we do it the way you want to, God, there's going to be people who fall away and that's not very cool. So let's force everyone to be good or something like that. I don't know what yeah. to them to. I, I started writing a short story when I was at BYU. So this is back like in the early 
mid nineties, maybe I, I, we had read Milton's paradise lost and I was really interested in what a Mormon version of paradise lost would, would be like, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of paradise lost, but it's how Lucifer fell and it's the, the, the war in heaven and the third of the angels that got cast out and they're down in hell. The, the, the book start or the poem, cause it's a poem that starts with them all down in hell, lamenting the fact that they were defeated and Lucifer, the chief devil gets all of them to, to, to give them a little bit of their power so that he can ascend and he can go back and fight. And as he's going towards the light, he's thinking, maybe I could repent. Maybe I could go back. God would forgive mm -hmm. me. He's a forgiving person. But then he's like, no, cause I wouldn't be, I wasn't happy before. I wouldn't be happy again. And that's where, if you might've heard the line better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. It yeah. comes from paradise lost. And then, oh. and then he looks and he sees this planet earth and he remembers, oh, this is why we had this war in the first place, because God created this order of being called humans that was below angels, but he was elevating them above angels. And we were jealous of that. So I'm going to go and fuck that up. <laughs> so then he mm -hmm. goes over and he tempts Adam and Eve and gets them to fall. And now I'm the God of this world, you know? And so then it comes into the Mormon temple stuff for me, or at least, you know, as I was learning this at BYU. And I thought I'd, I'd love to tell the Mormon version of paradise lost and so i started i started in the pre-existence before lucifer fell because and this was even before the star wars prequels okay. i was really i was really <laughs> interested in like anakin's turn to darth Vader. so i kind of uh -huh. had but but it was before, before it was the super super boring yeah, story yeah before <laughs> before they messed that up but um yeah so i so i wanted to tell that story from a mormon perspective and i made lucifer you know, because I was asking this question, what was it that Lucifer would propose to say, how would we compel people to be righteous? And I thought, oh, he he told them, let's go down and not have a veil of forgetfulness. Because mm. if you go down and you don't have a veil of forgetfulness, then you'll realize the impact of everything that's on your life. And you won't you know, you won't fall, but what, whatever his, that was like my little inventive poetic license creation thing of the veil of forgetfulness. But in the actual Mormon story, Lucifer rebels and he's cast out because he doesn't have enough faith or whatever. And well, so did, yeah. Did it ever bother you in that part of the story though, when, cause it always bothered me how the one third of the hosts who followed him you know, they were just convinced and now they're cast out forever. I mean, yeah. they, they're yeah. done. Yeah. I'm like, well, what if they just, you know, made a bad should've decision? Known. They, they, <laughs> they should have known better. Yeah. And well, I mean, and that's another thing about like Mormonism is that it's all like one and done. Yeah. Kind, yeah. Of, kind of thing. You know, like the consequences are eternal. Hmm. Um, but, but another parallel that I see in, in Wendy Kennedy's story is that we, from a, from a soul level, we take, we, we're incarnated into physical bodies and we have this veil of forgetfulness and the veil of forgetfulness. And you, and you might have this in your notes to, to talk about at some point are, are these neural pathways that keep us in this loop, uh, this, this sense of separate separation. And I saw that and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the, <laughs> this is the, the veil of forgetfulness right here. But anyway, I feel like I'm rambling a lot. I'm just, no, you're not. I kind of, I kind of love this yeah. stuff. Um, what, what were some of the notes that you guys took that you wanted to, to talk about this and jump in? Want to start, Shalise? 
Oh man, I wrote down so much stuff, you guys. Um, I loved how she was talking about speaking on the veil of forgetfulness. Yeah. I loved how she said we had to create the ego or else you would realize that you can manifest anything at any time. Just zoop, like go right, right out of the game. You mentioned the great, great experiment. This experiment, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is this choice to have forgotten where we come from and who we are and incarnate in this world as it is. Uh, and that's, I guess, the great question is why, why, why have we done this? Why have we forgotten this? And, and what are we doing here? Is that it? Is that why we're here? Well, the sole purpose, you know, for any incarnational or, or any vibrational experience, mm-hmm. right? Uh, meaning, you know, we don't want to say incarnation because it's more than just incarnating because mm-hmm. that, that term means literally taking on form. Right. But, you know, it's about experience, period. Mm-hmm. It's about exploration. It's about curiosity. Mm. And the game itself, the 3D game, and, and we're not talking just about Earth, but we're talking about the third dimensional game. Mm-hmm. It was created because we all wanted to. Sure. We thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting you know, if we could forget who we are. Mm-hmm. Because from our level, and, and frankly from, from the fifth dimensional level and up, we have an awareness that we are part of source energy. We have an awareness that we can perceive ourselves as an individuated consciousness as well as collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. But we'll always have that awareness. So it it is a different game when you you think, hmm, well, what if I didn't know that? Mm-hmm. How would that change my vibrational experience? How would that change the choices that I make? And so this is in part why the game was set up. And it is an illusion because it's impossible to have separation. Mm-hmm. And so as you came down through the dissension process, and it was a dissension process, it, it wasn't that you had to start your incarnational process at the 3D level and work your, se- your, your way back up. Mm-hmm. As you came down and said, all right, well, let's create this structure. Let's create this game. Let's enter into it. It was very difficult for you all to hold that lower resonance. Mm -hmm. You kept remembering that you were part of the collective energy and that you could easily manipulate your reality. And so out of the dimensional game you go. So the mind was set up. The ego was set up to create repetitive programs of thought in order to hold you into the illusion. Mm -hmm. And so now as you spiral down, the illusion, the programs, the habits, they get stronger and stronger as you're denser. Right. All right. So as you go back up, it's, just, it's you know, the exact opposite. You remember more and more. And, and so, you know, that's the whole point of the ego is to allow you the illusion of the game to have a different perspective of a vibrational experience. We had to create the ego or else you would realize that you can manifest anything at any time and just zoop, like go right right out of the game. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of what mushrooms does for me. Like it takes me to that consciousness where I'm like, do I even need to be here anymore? Like maybe <laughs> I can just like zoop, like go out. I had that experience a couple weeks ago and um, we haven't talked about it yet on Forms on Mushrooms, but I had that experience where I was like, oh, nothing even matters. Oh, it's fine. Like, I'll just go. And it was kind of scary. Like when everything kind of came down was like, wow, I should 
not do mushrooms alone again. But, <laughs> but when, but when I came to the understanding of it all, I was like, oh, it really is important to have fear and ego because that is what is keeping us rooted mm. on this planet. Um, and so it was interesting to hear her talk about that again, because I had totally forgot that she was saying all of that stuff. And I just wonder, I don't know, is, is, do we need all of the, the heaviness and the fear and the pain of earth to really give us that full experience? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. from the, from the Mormon perspective, we came to earth so that we could get a body and be tested to see if we would be good, if we would choose good over evil or whatever. What, what, what's Wendy's version of that story? Like why, why are we here on earth with this veil of forgetfulness? Yeah. Well, she talks about, and that's what I love too, about what everything that she is saying, it's not about choosing right or wrong. It's just about choosing in general. It's just about having the experience in general so that we could understand more as a soul, things that we couldn't understand without a body, without the heavy density, without the forgetfulness, without realizing that we are all connected and we are all one and we're part of source. Um, like she was saying, it changes the game when you mm -hmm. put that layer of feeling disconnected and feeling individual everything changes. And I think that's so interesting. And it, it does make me want to go back to the Pleiades and be like, okay, but what's it like when we know everything is connected? <laughs> I'm bored with this whole individual life. Like I'd rather be a part of a whole. <laughs> well, yeah. And it stuck out to me how much, when she talks about the third dimensional living and how it's a, a realm of duality, and yeah. how intense those dualities are, black and white and separateness and male and female um, and pleasure, pain, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever duality. Um, and how in the upper dimensions, they have that, but just at like a lesser degree. Right. But if you think of that, and if just as far as growth goes, and, and this is where sometimes I get caught up in that thing that like, oh, this sounds like Mormonism in the, you create that friction and you need friction to grow, to rub against, you know, to, uh, that sounded kind of bad, but like need <laughs> friction. <laughs> um, but it's that friction, that ego working with that, working with these, this story of, and of, uh, what's trying to keep you limited and working with that tethered here. It's kind of like that pull where the ego is trying to keep you tethered here and your soul's wanting expansion. Mm -hmm. And I think the, uh, the degree of that, of how powerful that pull is of that ego, you can really grow and expand in, in beautiful ways. Um, I like how you said, uh, you were talking about your mushroom trip, Shalise, because one of the things I noticed on mushrooms several times is you see that pattern, right? You see the story. And usually in, at the beginning of a trip, I'm caught up in that story. Mm. And even in meditation, you can do the same thing, right? You just witness that loop that she's talking about the ego, mm -hmm. like, and, but then when you get that separation and you see that story and you see, it's just going to keep spinning. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And if you try to stop it, it just gets louder. So instead of you said, observe it doing its thing and just let it give it space to do it. And then you're kind of free to be you in a way, I, you know, 
Um, yeah, it's interesting because there's so many parallels from my last Mor- Mormon, my last mushroom trip to what she was saying. Really? Like another thing that I experienced was I would visit all of these different times in my life. I would just think about something and then I was there immediately. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I can go to Hawaii real quick. I can go to my childhood real quick. And then I had this realization that what are we, if not a collection of our memories, a totality of everything that has happened to us in the past. So, and I remember asking, Hey, whoever's out there, can you just like erase my memories? Cause I just want to know who I actually am and not who I am because of something I've experienced in my past. And sorry, there's like sirens everywhere. Um, Here it goes. And the answer was no. They were like, well, no, we're not doing that for you. But (laughs) that's kind of what I wanted to experience. They they weren't going to erase your memories? Is that what the answer was? Okay. They're like, no, we can't do that. Um, But I had that realization of like, oh, that's kind of, that's what my personality is, is a collection of experiences. And she talks about that how like with this oversoul and everything and how you're fractioning yourself off into different consciousness consciousnesses and then those experiences create who we call an identity or a persona and I thought that was so interesting because in that mushroom trip I was like I don't want it like I just want to be me (laughs) like without all of these learned things and all these programming and all this religious programming too that we talk about unwinding all the time that's interesting that this stuff kind of makes you not want to be you it, i i have the opposite <laughs> impact I'm, i i think okay well i guess i guess i'm i'm here and i'm me for a reason and it's temporary and i might as well just like lean into it and enjoy it yeah and i mean i can understand that too i think in that specific moment I just wanted to figure out who I was without the programming. Mm. Like, who would I be if I wasn't Mormon? Who would I be if I grew up in a different part of the world? Who would I be if I hadn't had any of those experiences and it was just my soul about to come to earth? Like, mm. who is that person? That's what I was wondering. But I like how you mentioned that, Glenn, because I think there's an element of you came here to play the role of Glenn, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> if, if what she's saying is true, you came, you, you were, you split, became separate to experience what life as Glenn is like. Yeah. So, and to, and to have like a freedom to choose and explore, you know, like there's not this predestined path that I have to walk, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just to explore. Like, I, I love that. That's what she said. It's, it's the whole point of creating this three dimensional experience is to experience, what does she call it? Like the vibration, like vibrational experience from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's still kind of weird language for me to, to yeah. like vibrational experience. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> but everything is a vibration. And if we're, ex- you know, like we yes. might call it taste, we might call it sound, we might call it sight, but it's all vibration. And we're experiencing this certain narrow range of it in these bodies and through our minds and blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, an experience I had. So I've only done LSD once. Um, and it was with Doug actually, and we were in Zion's and the night before we'd done mushrooms and I'd done, you know, several mushroom trips up to this point in ayahuasca. And we take, we took the LSD and I was sitting there and I was feeling it getting kind of dark. And 
I'm like, you know what? Let me just go. We, we had an RV. I'm like, Doug, I just need a minute. I'm going to go in and just be with myself for a bit. So I put on headphones, started listening to music in the dark. And unlike mushrooms, I wasn't getting anything. It was just like dark, blank. Mm. And then I'm like, you know what? I think I'm LSDing wrong. I think <laughs> I, I shouldn't be going inward. I need to be going outward. So I went oh. back out there, sat by Doug, took some deep breaths. And all of a sudden I'm like, Doug, I get it. I felt like the frequency of earth. And I'm like, this is just a frequency. I can just like zip to another frequency if I want to, you know, and one day we're all going to drop to a different frequency. We'll all be sad and we'll call it death or whatnot, but we'll just, we're just dropping to a different frequency. And Doug's like, Mike, what are you doing? Like <laughs> you're, I'm seeing you over there. You're zip zapping around and what, but like, no, I'm here. I'm like, no, Doug. And it remind when I was listening to this interview, it reminded me of that because she was talking about it as a, like the game, like, mm-hmm we're here to experience the game of whatever the, the realities we've constructed here. And I felt it as like, oh yeah, we're these beings and we get bored and we want to design these, these mazes for us to escape. Yeah. That was a great line that she said, we, we, we create these puzzles that we can solve and escape out of or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, if you had all the power in the world, in the universe, maybe you kind of just like, well, being able to do whatever you want all the time gets kind of boring. Right. So create an experience where, oh, now I I have the illusion that I can't. Mm -hmm. And can I figure my way out of it? Um, But it it has to be a convincing illusion. Yeah. Or it's not going to (laughs) work. Well, then maybe it really is just one big test, except I don't believe there's going to be some sort of being on a throne saying I did well or not at the end of it, rather just my, myself judging myself. How did I do in this game that I created for my soul? I like that. Well, one of the things I, I felt the next day though, cause cause we'd done mushrooms the night before and mushrooms was a completely different experience. And I was like feeling the energy of the crystals and <laughs> touching the trees. And there was like this stream, this river by us in Zion's. And I went down there and felt the energy there. Like I was in it. And, but I felt like, oh, if this is just a game and it felt like it was trivial, trivializing the experience here. And maybe that's yeah. part of the duality. If you guys, I don't know of like, cause I like the fact that we created like this maze and we're here uh, to figure our way out of it. But it's like, there was that part of me that's like, I want it to mean more than that. How does that trivialize it for you? Well, it felt like to me the next day, and I know that this is just was how I was feeling the next day after it felt like um, just the fact of, and maybe it's the way I I think of what a game is, you know, Mm. or it's like, oh, we're just here playing a, a game and, you know, but people are suffering, you know, and, and it's hard and people suffer loss and grief and shame and and to go all th- go through all of that and it's like a game i don't know that felt hollow all right shalice what's the pleiadian response to <laughs> yeah I, are you gonna, I are you gonna channel right now <laughs> not no not at this moment close your eyes um, it has to be like in a british slash australian accent right yeah whatever that is <laughs> um i don't know i 
I'm sitting here thinking like it all makes sense to me. And I get that because when, when I drop down after my plant medicine experiences, I'm always like, okay, but everything matters. And then when I'm in the plant medicine experience, I'm like, nothing even matters. Like, why am I so hung up on this thing that seems like it's my world and I'm, it's made me who I am and it's so heavy and it's my trauma. And then when I'm in that experience, I'm like, it doesn't even matter. And so I, I can get that perspective on certain levels, but I think when I drop back into the third dimension, it's back to this is difficult and this is everything. So I feel like maybe as you were talking, I'm like, are plant medicines like the cheat codes to the game? Because it puts us in the, the mindset of realizing what it actually is. And then I also started thinking, well, maybe that's why all of these extraterrestrial beings have been so quiet and haven't really you know, landed their ship directly and, and spoke to the masses because it would ruin the game that we're here to play. Rather, we have to search it out and find these channelers or we find a religion that seems to give us the cheat codes because we're all trying to figure it out, but we're not really supposed to figure it out. Does that make mm. sense? Mm. Yeah. I, the, the, way, the way that I think about it, and if I understand the, the way that Wendy talked about it, there's it might seem like it's it's trivial, but there was this dimension that she added to the story that really impressed me. And, and that was that, first of all, these beings that exist in multiple dimensions, like we might think a higher dimension is, you know, like a utopia. It's not. It's just a different experience. There's different rules of the game. And mm -hmm. because of the nature of the intensity of the emotions that we feel here that other beings that are incarnating in other star systems don't experience. The, the whole game is, can I drop judgment? You know, I've, I've descended from source energy into this incarnated space. Can I ascend back up? And, and by ascending back up, it means I want to drop my judgments. I want to be loving. I want to be like God basically and not, not have these partitions in my mind that are making me feel separateness. So can I, can I work my way out of this trap? And that's the game that we're in that. And, and it's not like something that you just do in one life and you get one shot and it's over. It's like multiple, multiple lives and, and making these soul contracts with other friends in your soul group that you're going to incarnate as Shalice and you're going to incarnate as Mike and I'm going to incarnate as Glenn and we're going to have this kind of interaction with each other. And in some cases, I'm going to be the abuser and you're going to be the abusee and I'm going to make you suffer and then you're going to make me suffer and we're going to experience all these things. And that it's the level of intensity of emotion that we feel in this three-dimensional existence that teaches others how to be more compassionate because they don't feel, <laughs> they don't feel things quite the way that we do. And they don't really understand things when they watch us, why we're making the decisions that we're, we're making. And I, I've never heard an explanation like that before. Would it be safe to say that what we're learning in this lifetime right now is affecting prior lifetimes or future lifetimes? Absolutely. So, and okay. not only your lifetimes, mm -hmm. but also all life well, in right. the universe. And this is in part why it's such a special time 
that you are going through this particular period mm -hmm. because there is so much growth that is happening mm -hmm. and you are really having to learn and work with compassion mm -hmm. and how you learn and work with compassion is sent off to all life throughout the universe and the information is a game changer. And why we say this is because Earth is kind of a melting pot for mm -hmm. galactic issues. Earth is unlike any other planet uh, in your system, in, in your galaxy really. It's a grand experiment in which genetic material from thousands of worlds was deposited in order to play out some of the galactic issues on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. And along with all this, this genetic material are all the emotional components, all the things that you have experienced in all of those lifetimes and, and we call Earth the planet of emotion. So you've got a huge range to work with and it is in a sense a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. in that you have many emotions to kind of sequence together in order to get your way out of the lower densities in order to elevate your consciousness but also because they are so extreme you also can fall into the trap of getting stuck mm -hmm. in a sense. So as you have both experiences of the positive and the negative in, in this realm, mm -hmm. you hold a lot more compassion because all of you have had those times where you felt that lower resonance, that lower frequency, that lower emotion. And you know that it can feel really challenging and really hard. So the way that you experience compassion and the intensity of that particular frequency is so much stronger than it is experienced in the higher realms that you actually mm -hmm. are teaching the rest of us throughout the entire universe, including the higher realms, how to experience compassion with more depth. I I've never heard an explanation like that before. And it, that seemed plausible to me. You know, if, yeah. if you do have other life that is uh, evolving on other planets and other star, star systems, it's going to be under different conditions than Earth, right? And, and what she says is that Earth is this galactic experiment where thousands of different strands of DNA or genetics have been mixed together and all humans are kind of a hybrid of like different races and, and it's an experiment so that we can help them in their ascension process. We can help them drop judgment through this collective unconscious thing that we're all connected to our experiences all help everybody else. And, um, yeah, so, so that idea of, of compassion, mm. because we feel things and, and we suffer because you, you mentioned this, Mike, because we suffer because we've got that duality here. There must need to be opposition in all things, the friction that you were talking about earlier. But be, because of that, it helps our brother and brothers and sisters from the pre-mortal existence. <laughs> so like the pre-mortal <laughs> existence when yeah. we were all spirits or souls or whatever. In Wendy's version of the story, they incarnate into other places besides just Earth, and they do it multiple times, but there's these soul contracts that are made ahead of time, and, and what she, she didn't say it in this, in this one, I think, but in other things that I've listened to her, that nothing ever happens to you in your life, especially when it comes to trauma, that you didn't agree to. 
ahead of time. And I, that's, yeah. a, that's a really hard one to yeah. swallow. Yeah. That's a really I'm, hard one to swallow. I've actually, I've actually heard that concept before I got into aliens and stuff. Yeah. Uh, James von Prague talks about that all the time about soul contracts and mm. even group soul contracts, like people who agree to be in mass shootings together. Mm. And it's a hard, hard pill to swallow because you never want to say, well, that happened for a reason. Um, because or to trivialize it or dismiss it. Yeah. Excuses the behavior. Right. And you know, what's also funny is another place that I've heard that is, I won't say who it was, but a member of my family said this to my mom when they found out about the abuse that I went through, they said, and it was right at the beginning, right when everything came out, it was like, well, you know, that she agreed to this in a, a previous existence and, and he was just kind of playing his part and, oh, that made my mom so mad, made me mad. Yeah, like man. that's the first thing you say when you find out that this happened and she's super Mormon. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking like, is this something that the Mormon church teaches that we all agree to this? Maybe you guys have heard of it, but I had it and it just really pissed me off. I had heard that in, in the Mormon sense. Yeah, I had. Oh, you had? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, huh. and, and we, we interviewed, um, Christy Johnson a couple of oh, years ago. Um, yeah, and, I've talked and, with her before. Yeah, and, and she talked about how she came up, you know, she had people say similar things to her and that's not, I mean, how, how did you respond to that, Shalise? Oh, how, how, how do you feel about that now? I was so mad. I mean, and that's the thing, I guess that's part of my lesson is kind of accepting that because in a different sense outside of myself I'm like yeah that makes sense someone could agree to be the abuser someone agree to be the abused they both play those roles just like what Wendy said it makes sense but when it comes to myself I'm right. like well no yeah. that can't be the case because it killed me like that that destroyed me and so it's hard to really conceptualize it when it comes to myself personally but there's a part of me that does feel like that can be the case and there is something though that James von Prague always mentions. He says, um, for example, when it comes to children dying, he was channeling um, a young boy who had passed and he had drowned and the parents kept saying, well, we feel responsible. It's our fault. He shouldn't have drowned. We should have been watching him. And the little boy said, guys, don't worry. I was meant to go one way or another. And if it wasn't drowning, it was going to be a kidnapping or something far worse that you wouldn't have been able to forgive yourself for mm. even more so. And so whatever it is, it's going to happen. And that kind of, I liked the way that sounded because it didn't set everything in stone. Like you don't have to go through something specific, but one way or another, you'll learn the lesson. Mm. And so that's what's kind of, that's where I'm at now is okay. I don't think all abuse and, and all the crazy things that happen in the world have to necessarily happen that way, but we all do need to learn lessons somehow. Well, well what do say, you think the lesson is that you need to learn, Shalise? Can I ask that or is that insensitive? Going deep. Uh, that's yeah. not insensitive. Um, what is the lesson? I think compassion really and forgiveness because that's been one of the hardest things for me is to really really truly forgive this person for what yeah. they did to me um and i don't know how else i would have learned it it is someone very close in our family um so that's probably it for me is learning compassion and i did experience a very 
immense form of compassion when I did ayahuasca in Peru and I talk about I was dropped into his consciousness and I felt what he was feeling and so I think that probably is the main lesson for me and it's something that I learned I don't know if it was through that same that same Gaia series or somewhere else but I learned that once you go above the fifth dimension you you actually can't experience compassion And so that's the main reason we come to earth is so that we can understand that emotion. So it would make sense if that's supposed to be my lesson to learn. Hmm. Well, yeah. And I love that you said compassion, because I think there is that element of, you know, it gets tricky if you think, oh, I chose to be victimized or I chose to be a perpetrator or, um, and how do you have, how do you forgive something like that? And, but when we realize, I think there's an element of realizing that that's all within us too, you know, all of this, uh, and not necessarily forgiving the act, but recognizing the pain that was behind the act, right? This pain of separation that causes us all to be wounded. And, you know, I think Shalisa was in your episode. Did you, you're the one who said hurt people hurt people, Mm -hmm. right? And I love that. And that's always stuck with me is it's almost as a way of, I'm feeling this pain. I'm going to inflict pain on you for you to be a witness to my pain. And that pain goes back. So, you know, up probably back until the separation occurred when we split into this duality. And I found that in myself, you know, even recently I'm even working, you know, with my therapist and we've been doing a lot of shadow work where we, you know, Mm -hmm. you through dreams and, Uh, meditations and plant medicine kind of find out these parts of myself that have been repressed. And one of the things I have is repressed anger. Um, You know, contentions of the devil. We're not supposed to be angry in Mormonism or express it in a healthy way. And recently that's come up for me. And I was sitting with that feeling and I was like, holy shit, I've got an inner asshole in me. Like he (laughs) was mean like (laughs) like knew what he could say to people he's angry about that would cut them to the core yeah and that shocked me that scared me and then i'm like oh what's the pain behind that the pain that he's that this part of me i just picture this angry little boy like maybe eight-year-old mike just like wanting to rage against the world but couldn't Mm. and it was the pain the fear the fear of lost the fear of or not the pain of not being able to express his needs you know and um i don't know that that was just a a big thing for me this last week is trying to hold space for that recognizing that that's inside of me yeah and that those parts can be terrifying and then recognizing that that's also in the collective and but i think that having compassion for that part in me has helped me now to have compassion for when i see it out you know, in the world around me and be able to forgive that in a different way. So what does your therapist say to you when you talk about this, this anger that you have, that you've, that you're afraid of, that, you know, you don't want to stuff it down and continue to repress it, but you know, what, what do you do with it? So learn to express it in a healthy way, punch pillows, boxing, (laughs) get it out in a different way um, and be okay to feel it is the thing, right? I think not project it. I might be angry at my wife or my kids or my mom or something, but instead of just lashing out at them and, and making them be like projecting my anger onto them, because that's, that's just a way of holding on to the anger as well. 
right? Yeah. When I'm projecting it onto them. Um, actually allowing myself to feel it. But the problem is when you do that, it, um, your ego kind of feels like it's going to be possessed by it, right? Mm. When, you, when you allow a, an emotion up, there's this feeling of, wow, if we let this guy out or this part of me out, I'm just going to be an asshole to everyone. Yeah. But really the opposite's true. When you recognize that in yourself, when you allow that emotion to be there, it's, it won't possess you anymore. Um, you know, there's a quote by Carl Jung who says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule, rule, your, rule your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. So when you're repressing that, um, yeah, it, it, it actually runs your life more. It actually runs your life more. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past. We have a question here from Glenn. He says, I would like to better understand the aspect of myself that is this divine source energy. It feels so separate. Even though I intellectually understand that we are all our one, what is the relationship between source, the oversoul, the inner self, the egoic self, and the other multidimensional intelligences like the peas? So it's all one. That's, that's the relationship. It's all divine energy. And then the divine will partition off awareness of itself. So you start at the top with the divine, and then that splits into more oversouls. All right. So large, a larger energy, a larger awareness of self. And then that fractures, all right, into soul groups. And then that fractures again into what you would perceive as a higher self. The higher self is what incarnates, and then you cover that up with limiting beliefs, and that's what you say is your personality. That is you. That is the aspect that's having this life, but really those are just programs. You are your higher self. It's not separate from you, and that, that part of you that you think is real that is just programming. It's just programming. So when you get quiet and you get rooted in that sense of who you truly are, you're aware of your higher self that part of you that is, is embodied, that is having the experience. 
So the rest of it kind of drops away. The more that you start connecting with this aspect, you'll be aware of more of the patterns and programs and, and beliefs that are running that truly aren't who you are. It feels very different when you start to practice that and you start to get in touch in that quiet space with you, that, that place that allows you to feel calm and centered and peaceful and joyous and grateful and passionate. That feels very different than the part of you that's nervous, that's anxious, that's scared, that's worried. Those are just beliefs. And when you come back to that heart-centered space and you connect with your higher self, all of those problems go away. You don't have any worries. It's not that you had to go and fix that worry. It's that it wasn't real. And you moved outside of the frequency range of that limiting belief, right? So now you just get to expand it and sustain it and it'll ripple out. All right, so that this brilliant light is what you'll see reflected back to you eventually. When you all ask us, what is source energy? Where did it come from? It's one of the very few questions that we simply cannot give you an answer for because of your level of consciousness where you're embodied right now. You just couldn't even begin to hold an answer because it is so far outside of your construct of reality. It's just not possible for you to absorb it, to experience it, to know it in this dimensional range. Um, but as you connect more with your higher self, you can start to feel that connection because you move out of the limitations of this physical dimension. You can hold a 10th, 12th dimensional consciousness in this physical structure. You're just not going to sustain it because as you sustain it, the physical body actually wants to evolve to what can house that consciousness. But you can access it at any given moment. Those are not withheld from you. They are not kept from you in any way, shape, or form. Oftentimes as humans, you, you get angry because you think, Somebody is withholding information from you. And truly, you have access to all that ever was and ever will be within you. All that exists within. So don't ever get upset because you think somebody is withholding the truth from you. They're withholding information. We see this a lot with people who get upset with those who are sensitive, those who have more of a a spiritual life who may be asking for money and they're mad because they're asking for money to get the information. So really what you're paying for is somebody else's exploration of themselves and the time that they put into it, the expertise of exploring that you yourself can go inside for free at any time to get that. You have the same access that they have. You just haven't practiced it. All right, so explore that, play with that. So we hope that helps answer the question. And we hope you'll go to the website and fill out the survey. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.